0: Stephen Kenny and a large majority of fans thought that the Republic of Ireland were excellent on Monday night against France. On the other hand, Brian Kerr and Damien Delaney said they were a little bit disappointed with the performance. What do you think?
1: Keep the good man
0: on the bench. Welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast in a week where Keith Long takes over at Waterford. The Republic of Ireland senior team start off life in Group B with a defeat against France and Virgin Media are set to show their first ever League of Ireland game. My name is Roy Shanahan and I'm joined by Nathan Doyle and Neil Dobbs from thebigkickoff.com. And Nathan, we were all hoping to get something from the game against France on Monday night, but we came away with nothing.
2: Yeah, another uh, famous defeat for Ireland. Um, something we're pretty good at, isn't it? Looking good when <laughs> when dropping three points in these uh, qualification camp, uh, campaigns. As you said, though, if you ask it, a large majority of fans, probably ourselves included, media personality, coming up against a fans team that just uh, steamrolled Netherlands 4-0, albeit you know, it was an injury and uh, illness-ridden uh, Holland team, but still, like they got off to such a good start. We're probably fairing the worst. but look, I'm coming off the back of a three-two win against Lafayette as well, which left a lot to be desired too, didn't it? in terms of conceding the goals the way we did, two screamers, but a lot of wayward passing and, and defensive errors. But um, yeah, I saw I seen getting banded around a lot. That was probably the, uh, the the team's best performance under Stephen Kenny. I actually thought it was Stephen Kenny's best performance as um as our manager. Terms of the, the tactics and things like that, I thought the 5 4 1 system really suited in terms of a uh, defensive side of things, really limited the likes of Mbappe and Jerry for space uh, to get a bit of magic off. So I thought, yeah, Stephen got a spot on. And even with the substitutions, you know, bringing on um, like Alan Brown for Darrow O'Shea and even bringing on Michael O'Femme late on as another striking option, really willing to have like a go and roll the dice. So I know Stephen's someone that gets a lot of criticism before. And after a majority of Ireland games, but I thought it was spot on. I thought we and I know you mentioned in the intro there but I thought it was really hard done by by certain sections of the media, um be it Brian Kerr and Damien Delaney.
0: Neil, what was your thoughts on one the game and two the comments after the game?
1: Um the game itself, right, I, I thought the game was a very interesting game. I thought it was an exciting game. It's the type of game we haven't had a Lansdowne Road in quite some time at Viva Stadium. We haven't had it in long. I was saying before air there, it's probably eight years since I felt an atmosphere like that, since Ireland played Germany. Shane Long scored, and uh, it was that type of pre-match. You could feel it in the air. The crowd was in nice and early. Everyone giving the green flags. There was sounds. There was the fireworks before the game, the big first stalls coming up with all the names announced. It had a big game feeling about it, and the players on the pitch to me anyway translated that feeling of the crowd onto the pitch and into the game. And um, I felt for 15 minutes when France kind of settled, I was a little bit worried at one stage. They'd go up a gear, which they kind of look to do every now and then. But then as Nathan was saying, uh, the two wingbacks in particular Coleman and, um, Matt Doherty just seemed to pull back a little bit further into the back line and just limit them getting down the flanks. Um, In particular, Mbappe, who just never seemed to get any sort of a rhythm. Him and Rabiot were on my side of the field in the first half. And the amount of times even the ball hopped over Rabiot's foot, was like, you know, there was something in the air that we could kind of get in amongst them, cause them to be out of their stride a little. And then a bit of frustration, I think, grew in for France that they couldn't get in behind us. They couldn't really string a lot of passes together. Um, And then obviously Ireland come into it a little bit better where you just felt there might be something there, albeit second half, maybe even late second half. But I think because they got a big result last week against the Dutch, as in the French, that they beat them 4-0 and people were going, were worried here. With that air of expectation over the game, I'm not saying you take a 1-0 loss, but at some stages you were thinking, let's just not get hiding here. Let's just not you know, start completely on the wrong foot, 2-0 down at half time, and then you finish the game with this kind of, I don't know, like a, a loss almost that you feel. How do we not get a draw? And then you were feeling we deserved a draw out of the game. And yet, here we are sitting here with no points. So, for a first game, big game, against a team that just played a World Cup final a couple of months ago, I'd be quite satisfied with what I've seen on the field over 90 minutes. Um, but... The real campaign kind of starts now, doesn't it? You know, you have Gibraltar and Greece. And if you don't get points, we could be sitting here with a different kind of feeling maybe in another two months' time.
0: I thought there was a lot more hype about how we played than I thought we deserved. I thought we put in a good disciplined performance defensively. We sat back an awful lot and we and we, we took on a lot, an awful lot of pressure, especially in the first half when we did try to break out that we Didn't break out really well, I didn't think. I thought we lost the ball uh, an awful lot in areas where we we could have built on and... and, let's let's just say Evan Ferguson never even got barely got a touch of the ball in the game Ogbené I thought in in the first half he ran the channels a couple of times and got free kicks but did he get crosses in did he get shots in no Um, Jason Knight did a lot of chasing down and blocking and worked extremely hard for for the team so I think what I'm saying is although in the first half Matt Doherty was like uh, Mbappe running down that left wing skinning by two or three players but I don't think we were offensively very good in, in the first half. I think we're only offensively very good within the last 10, maybe 15 minutes of the, of the game altogether. I thought defensively we, we were very good. I thought we, we blocked them out. We didn't give them any opportunities. Uh, we got blocks in the ball where we needed to get the blocks and the ball. Neil, um, is that what you're saying or do you think that's a bit unfair?
1: Uh, I don't think it's unfair. I think we definitely set out with the game plan. i a saying there, Matt Doherty and Seamus Coleman, although they were wing backs. I was in at the Lafayette game last week and Matt Doherty practically spent more time up at the, op- the opponent's 18-yard box. He was that high a wing back and he was a great option to get out of the back line or maybe a kind of a 50, 60-yard diagonal you could get Matt Doherty into the game. Whereas this time it was much, much different. They were basically like two orthodox fullbacks playing maybe 15, 20 yards ahead of the back three. Um, there was a couple of very uncomfortable moments, I would say, Roy, in the first maybe 20 minutes. Where we got the ball from goal kicks who gave us short and there was literally no out ball like there was no Coleman, no matt Doherty. there was nothing that we could get the ball more than 30 yards from our field there was another couple of uncomfortable moments where like that matt already picking the ball up deep and running with it or benny run, uh, coming deep and running with the ball and you're expecting them to run 78 yards you know the crowd was up for it we were egging them on it was like watching forrest gump and there was no way he was going to get up to the bloody box unless you could run like forrest gump but it was just uh yeah it felt like we weren't capable of competing with them further up the field so as the game grew on you were like i thought the, ver- the first half was very very long it felt very very long yeah. whereas the second half kind of flew all of a sudden we went well there's 20 minutes gone because we were pinned in so much in the first half but If I'm going to give some, you know, tactical kudos to Kenny, it was because I felt by setting up with them so narrow um, and so deep, that was just the half that he was wanting to get, nil all, get in it to break it, nil all, and don't concede a single thing. And the biggest downside for me, and you just kind of mentioned it there, was why even play Evan Ferguson for the first 60 minutes if he's only going to be running around like a lunatic? maybe that was the time to play Adam Eda where you could expend his energy and then see what Ferguson had for maybe, I don't know, the last 15, last 20. So that, yeah, I I, I would go along with a lot of that. Uh,
0: he probably would have got slaughtered if he didn't start Ferguson. And all fairness, yeah. he's, the, he's, the, he's the highest ranked forward that we have, I suppose. Uh, Nathan, what was your thoughts on the players that played? Who stood out for you?
2: Like you said, it's... it's... Like ben, I got a lot of the praise uh, post game because of his, his, his duel uh, with Tia Hernandez. I thought he'd done pretty well, especially against Hernandez, Put one of the, the best left backs in the world uh, at the minute. His pace is always going to be an issue with that one, but I uh, physically he, he'd done pretty well. Uh, but for me, the standout would have been Matt Dutty, as you said, right, over the, the past 20 minutes, go- first 20 minutes, sorry, going forward. He uh, was really impressive, but. He got into a couple of one v one situations with uh, Colin Moani out in the um, the right hand sides, and he thought he dealt with them pretty pretty well as best as, as he could have done. So, yeah, Tom thought uh, they done well. Malumbi's probably worth a shout here, wasn't he? Real anger in the midfield, um, especially considering with Josh Cullen had such a unexpected or uh, an off day that you never really see for Josh in in a green jersey. Obviously, we mentioned the goal as a cracking strike, but Josh giving the ball away in such a poor position, such a disappointing goal to give away, but. Even when we got chances in terms of set pieces, the delivery was consistently poor by him on the day itself. So uh, that was a definite disappointment. But Tom Malumbi picked up that bit of flack in the midfield.
0: And that's what I was going to say to you, Nathan. Uh, we had, I think it was eight corners in the game to Francis too. And the corners, and, and we had about three free kicks in the first half where we were in good positions. And the set pieces, I felt, were very poor. Yeah. Yeah, struggling to beat the first man on a number of occasions really, weren't we? And
2: it's funny then, but what we said is the, the two biggest chances came out of set pieces, but it was just down to two absolutely world-class safes by the French goalkeeper in the dying Embers. But yeah, before those two two balls in, it was consistently really, really important, really hampered us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Neil, uh, when you looked at France, uh, Mbappé, all the kids were there. You could hear them all over the place taking pictures, zooming in on them. You know, they couldn't wait to see what Mbappé did. They left a little bit disappointed.
1: Yeah, he didn't really get going. I mean, look, and that was the kind of night that was in it, Roy. It's one of them nights where everything is a, is a big deal for us. Like, we were in every throw in, every tackle. The first one, I think it was Ogbeni, got between... Mbappe in the ball and almost awkwardly dispossessed him but the roar was incredible when they dispossessed Mbappe and then it was another one where Coleman was running and kind of cut across him and again the roar from the crowd so you know he's their talisman and everyone was well up to it. but when he was on the ball there was an extra kind of 20% of awareness from the Irish team where as you're saying there Malumbi, Yahadog, Benny that was helping out on that side and Coleman obviously as well that they really shackled him they didn't give him an inch but um couple of little moments where he tried to lay off and move and the ball never came to him in behind so credit you to the guys that you know they, they were able to stick the task and and limit him to so little and um, but as the game wore on you were thinking to yourself in particular last 15 when we were beginning to push on will and Bappe now finally begin to get into the game but it never really materialized and you know anyone that went there just to see him um, there was far better talent uh, on a uh, display for me for that night
0: who stood out for you in the French team, Nathan?
2: Um, I thought Camavinga in the midfield. Oh, really, yeah. yeah, I thought he was the one that really stood out. now head and shoulders, such a young talent at Real Madrid. You can see that he's gonna be. If he's not world class at, at the minute, he's gonna really develop into it. He was the one that really stood out because, as like you said, with the Mbappé's Mbappe even the uh, Giroud, while he can. He's getting on age, fans' top goalscorer. I didn't really get a sniff at all. So yeah, I thought he was Camavinga in the middle was really the one for me.
0: Yeah, I'm not really mad about Antoine Griezmann, but in the last World Cup and any time I've seen him since then, he's he's stepped up his level and even the other night when he seemed to lose a ball, he always seemed to get it back. He was just one of those players who who very rarely lost the ball and that's huge in international football. When you look, Neil, at the group, when Trapattoni or even Mick McCarthy, but I remember Trapattoni... When they had their fixtures set out, they always set them out with a, a, a comfortable game at the start, maybe an easy game on the second one. And going into a tour game, you, you probably have maybe six points in the group because the, the the fixtures are set out in a certain way. And that happened in two or three campaigns in a row under trapattoni This is a little harder. We're, we're, we're home to France. We get beaten. The next game is the one that he's really going to be judged on, but it's going to be away in June to Greece, which is going to be about 40 degrees. So it it doesn't really get any easier, does it?
1: Not really. And it's funny, I was chatting to a few guys at the train session. I was saying, ah, sure, it won't be that warm at eight o'clock at night in Greece. You're damn right it will be. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they're going to feel that. Um I won't say it's a bad decision. I, I, Ireland always had that kind of habit, didn't we, of coming off a, a big tournament days in, like a France or a Germany or Holland, you'd get them coming off a big tournament and you kind of felt that they weren't, they wouldn't be kind of, you know, they wouldn't have their this the steam uh, built up at that time, and you caught them on the hop. But uh, like if we'd have got a point out of that game last week, it would have been just unbelievable to, as a setup. But now, obviously, it's three points gone. Now I might say that's the three points you expect to drop, but it does put added pressure on the next game. And you know I would have said last year, right, when we were watching Stephen Kenny, even though we were saying give him time, give him time, there's a very very disappointing feeling when you're four maybe five games into a campaign and you're already out you're not in, even in with a show of getting the top two slash top three whatever it is this time around but uh, there is a worry if you go out and you don't get a positive result against Greece and you see you have to weigh up what do you call a positive result now against Greece is it a win or is it a draw so you get a draw you might say okay but realistically if we want to have any aspirations of getting out of group you've got to beat Greece. You've got to beat them away. You've got to beat them on their home turf in your 40 degrees. It's a big, big ask. So of all the positivity that came out of during the other night saying we played great football when we needed to, we were calm. And a lot of people said it was the best kind of performance they've seen us play. You need to literally bottle that performance and bring it out against Greece now. So I could see, I'm not, I don't want to say there's a mountain of pressure, but if you were to lose that game, the pressure on Kenny would be would be massive. And it's not hard to, to, to bottle up that performance, you know, when
2: it's it's two months down the line. You literally want this Greece game to come next week or to be in this international break window, which yeah. we've seen it before, haven't we? Ireland coming off great performances, you know, with the likes of Portugal, but then we go out a couple of months down the line and struggle against Azerbaijan and Luxembourg. So you'd hate to see this just be another repeat of that. Yeah, so and the, the-, June,
1: the June friendlies Roy, as well, don't they? They tend to be... I know it's a competitive uh, game, but, you know, when you play games after the Premier League and all has ended and the season has ended, sometimes it, it can be hard to get the players up for a game like that. So there's an added risk involved as well.
0: There is. It's the 16th and the 19th of June. So there's a little bit of time there to have, you know, I suppose a lot of our lads won't be in the Champions League final, will they? So there's going to be a little bit of time where they may be able to to, to rest a little bit and go back into camp. And listen, we know what the Irish lads they'll, they They'll give everything they've got, so... Maybe maybe that's a benefit that it's not straight after the uh, the league season. But they have Greece on the sixteenth and Gibraltar on the nineteenth. They need to get as you said, Neil, they can't come away with less than four points anyhow. Because if that yeah. if that does, it, it's nearly over already. So you're looking at the three points against Gibraltar, but you're also looking at at least one but really and truly six because what you're doing is if you get the you only get a point against Greece you're looking like you're going to have to beat Holland both times instead of maybe the Holland game is where you, you look to get your four points you know and that's Yeah the, but right as well game. as
1: that aren't we playing France as well away um, and then 3 days later we're playing Holland at home
0: so our rings. our fourth yeah. game is France again so if we don't get the results in these two in June then all of a sudden, your France away. I, I'm walking down uh, by Trinity College last, uh, on Monday night, and I'm listening to the French and they go, oh, yes, yeah. so uh, you'll find it harder uh, in Paris than you did tonight. and all, Which is most likely true. It's got, they're going to have the crowd behind them. It's going to be, you know, yeah. f- free-flowing football. They want to entertain. So there could be a step up in level from the French. So we really need to go into that game with positive results behind us and knowing that even if we did get beaten in that game, which there's no guarantee, Ireland are capable of getting something from these any game, anything can happen, but that we're in a positive vibe knowing that the Holland game is on the 10th of September and that's the one that you're really going to be focusing on because you've done the job in June. I
1: just worry about the three day layover. That's it. As in, if that was you, Roy, you're going into that game. Are you going to play a very full strength team against France away and then a full strength team three days later against the Dutch, which is arguably a bigger game?
0: It is a bigger game. Yeah, that's a big problem. Not that you can
1: throw away a game, but you know what I mean? You're
0: you're kind of hedging
1: your bets on a a better result against a slightly uh, lesser team.
0: It works. Then Greece at home in October the thirteenth. Three days later, Gibraltar away to Gibraltar, and then eighteenth uh, of November is Netherlands uh, away. So, like it, this is all over fairly quickly. Uh, you can't. There's no time to get into this group. You you have to you have to do your stuff straight away. So, Nathan, what's your thoughts? What's you're you looking? You've seen Holland against France. You've seen France now as well. We haven't seen Greece, but. We've a good idea that, and from what I've heard, Greece are, are, are building again to a, a decent side. So you, you'd have to say that they're on, Ireland and Greece are probably on par with each other. So what's your thoughts on, on qualification?
2: Um, it was obviously extremely unlikely when the draw was made. I think we all feared the worst, didn't we? We've seen uh, France and Holland come straight out of it. It's... It's a strange for Holland, isn't it? Because he were on such a good run under uh, Louis van Gaal. And then all of a sudden you have um, somewhat of a controversial figure in like Roland Koeman coming in who hasn't done the, be- the best of work over the past number of years. Like I said, I think you look at the 4-0 against France and it looks bad on paper, but it was. I think there was an illness or something went through the camp, didn't it? Uh, uh, up Leading up to the game. So there was a lot of uh, key players missing that you'd expect to see in the starting eleven. Um it's massive I I just, just to echo what you said pretty much the June ones are, are the really big ones. I think you have realistically you have to come out with, with two wins there because as you say, you're looking you can't really be looking to go to play fans away and hoping to get something out of that either, because you, you could be dead in the water at that stage if you, you know, get beaten by Greece and struggle with your it and so sure, where are you then? You're you're halfway through a qualifying campaign and, and no prospects of going
0: anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Neil, Stephen Kenny, you said you gave him a little bit of kudos for his his, his tactics the other night. His substitutes, Nathan, reckoned that was good. Were substitutes good because we've got a decent squad now that the, everyone's kind of on par with each other?
1: Yeah, I think that's fair enough. And I think, look, I think he made good use of the friendly last week against Latvia because I hadn't seen Smallbone play Um, a hell of a lot and I kind of gave him a little chance to give a little cameo role and I thought he did very well and even Seamus Coleman being fit allowed him maybe to move Matt Daugherty or to you know make a little bit of a change in the back line as well if he wanted it so I think he's a more established squad I think he's a healthier squad his names now that we all know and even like it's gas like my you know my 12 year old now he knows all the names of the Irish players where Maybe a year, year and a half ago, he was kind of looking, you go, Who the hell or what is a Malumbi? Well he knows now who Malumbi is. He was out Ging up the crowd the other night, you know, and he, he did a good game. So I think that's a positive sign. So you have good strength and depth in the back line. Good, he's an identifiable system that he's playing with the three uh, five two. Um I just think we just need to keep plugging away as far as up front. We're still a little gold shy. Hopefully, Ferguson is this guy that can come in now and get you a couple of goals out and nothing. Um, I don't know if you watched the Scotland game the other night, but you know they looked a threat when they were on the counter-attack and you really felt like they were going to score against Spain, whereas you know maybe the French is an unfair game for us to judge what we're like for scoring goals. But we need to get that fear factor that we can go and score against teams and it's not just from set pieces that we're going to be at our most dangerous and that's going to be the biggest challenge against the likes of greece where you're looking in a tight game to nick a goal here or there without conceding anything and um, but squad wise, very very happy and um, i think up front we've got better options now well, benny although he played wide can play up top uh ferguson is there Edith can still come in um, um yeah, and Oba is a li- still a little bit hot and cold for me. I don't quite know if he fits, but he's another good option that we have there.
0: Yeah, and I'm looking here, I'm just gonna have a look at this uh the results here, the France and Holland game. Because I wanted to look at their lineup. Holland's lineup, they were missing a few players, but they still had the likes of Van Dijk, Nathan Akey, ronaldo Depuy, um, I know they are missing De Jong, I know there was a couple of other players that they were missing, but there were still established uh, footballers there. And they, Nathan, they didn't blow me away with how they played. Actually, Neil Van Dyke was was very Van dyke y uh, that he is at Liverpool at the moment. He's kind of still cruising around and hasn't realised that he needs to step it up a bit.
1: There's two things I say about this. So I found it interesting. Van Dijk came out. I won't say he criticised, but he was kind of pointing the finger at other people on the team. And Marco van Basten came out and went, you just want to start looking at yourself before you even try and look at others. Now, Van Dijk is the captain, so he is the leader. And um, Van Dyke is in a really, really sticky period at the moment. And I do watch him week in, week out. And ever since he had the knee injury, because I had the similar one myself twice, I always have that thing where I watch what way he carries on, how aggressive he is. And it's not a physical thing. It's a mental thing I always find when you come back from an injury like that. And I just don't think he's anywhere near the same player he was. He is evasive in tackles. He will stand off and do his Van Dijk lean Rather than where two, three years ago he just went over and took the ball off a guy like a bear. He mauled him, took the ball, went up the other end. He was combative, um, and I think Liverpool have been found out this year because they come up against teams that have defenders that were like Van dyke was a couple of years ago, where they just put up a no bullshit and they get in and they take the ball. So, yeah, I mean, Holland, I don't think are any great shakes insofar as they're not world beaters, but they're a good side with a sprinkle bit of talent. Um, possibly more talent than we have but like Van Dijk they've just proven that they can be pulled apart, they can lose goals it wouldn't bother me, wouldn't phase me going up against them, I think you have to be positive I think they're a team you could get a result against, I'm not saying you're going to beat them away but you're definitely going to have to put it up against them if you want to get out of the group and why not, I think they're you know, they wouldn't be in the tier of the top tiers in Europe, you know they wouldn't be up there with say the Englands, the Germans, the France's So, yeah, I I don't think they deserve that kind of respect.
0: Yeah, I I absolutely think so. And I I think as well, Neil, that you cannot go into that game with your 5-4-1 formation. That's a game where you're going to have to be looking to win the game without being stupid, but you, you, you have to have a shape where you give yourself more opportunities to score.
1: Yeah, 100%. And I mean, listen, this is where Kenny is going to earn his corn, isn't it? I mean, look, he forces to set up the league and, and, and get kind of six points, nine points on the board. And then you can decide how adventurous you want to be in the away games in particular. But the home games, when you're going up against the likes of Holland at home, you know, you're going to play them in the last game of the, of the campaign. You don't want to have to go there and win it. So let's go and do it in the home ground. Let's get a bit of a head of steam going and really, really go at them so that when you do play them away, they have a little bit of a fear factor about you that they don't just think they're going to push aside, dominate the game, dominate possession. And, you know, we, we have to make it very difficult for them.
0: Anyhow, it's Greece first. That's the big game. It's always the next game that's the most important. I think what the two lads and Nathan and Neil are saying is that more or less, don't worry too much about that game. It's, it's, he'll be judged on every other game after this uh, in this campaign. I think that's the same for everyone. Um, I think we'll be talking in the autumn of whether Stephen Kenny is or isn't in a job the next time around. And to tell you the truth, they have a squad I think is capable of getting out of this and getting to a European Championship. So let's have our fingers crossed and, and really hope that they can go on and do it. There's definitely talent there. Now, we're going to do a little sprinkle of League of Ireland to finish off. Nathan, Keith Long takes over at Waterford. That didn't take long.
2: No, the circus continues uh, down the um uh, We started, started, I feel like we're talking about Waterford, every second week at some stage, in terms of new owners, new management. <laughs> new. Um, so it started uh, over the weekend, right, didn't it, when it was announced that um, Danny Cyril was sacked by Waterford. Probably, don't too, came out of nowhere a little bit. They're still, they're mid-table, Hovering in the player position, and now we everyone expecting them to be the uh, the leading contenders for the title. Uh, which early days in the season they will be there, their boats, but only lost one game this season, so it really isn't as a dire straits as, as people thought. But look, this this is a Waterford team. Um, Danny was the eighth manager since he sacked Alan Reynolds in twenty twenty, which is. It's crazy. It's crazy to see that. But, yeah, quick on the act to see uh, Keith Long, former manager Keith Long uh, being hired as his replacement.
0: And I tell you why it's crazy, Nathan. I tell you why it's crazy. Because I only seen yesterday that they put up a a post saying applications for manager. And then the next day, then they had Keith Long. So Keith must have been straight into them. he must have got the old... They all stamp out, licked it, smacked it down there and, and and got the job straight away. Because it just seems bizarre that they would do that and put a post up looking for a manager and then get a manager the next day.
2: It's either that or it's the easiest interviewing process that's ever existed <laughs> yeah. in the world yeah, of yeah. football. Uh but look, looking at he it, it is a good appointment on paper that cause seems I think I was texting you earlier. It's always the issue now at Waterford, is he gonna get the time? Because we said this about, you know, Ian Morris when he came in, and uh, Mark Bircham, he'd done such a good job and Bizarrely got, got the sack in the nature that he did just a couple of days out from it from a key fixture in the the, the, the playoff and relegation game. So it's a strange one with Waterford because, it, it, again, he's key to the top coach. He probably, towards the end of the Bohemian's tenure, he was there for so long, wasn't he? He got a little bit stale and that's when people start looking at the lack of silverware and things like that. But I don't think anybody could have done a better job during that time period at Bowles, did, uh than what Keith Long done consistently the, the squad was ravaged and he had to build and build and build time and time again and he done that consistently went on a couple of nice cup runs and stuff like that so if from a water pump point of view if you're looking for a quick fix and a quick turnover of somebody to get you back into the Premier Division where you belong I think Keatle on is a smart appointment to get into the door
0: I think it's the best appointment that you could have. I don't think there's anyone else out there who you would rather have. I think, he did, as you said, an amazing job at Bowes where you have to keep revitalising that, that group. Um, so, yes, I think it's a really good one for them. It's not a great start for them. They're doing a lot of catch-up now, but they must feel that they have a team and everyone else did, you, me, and everyone else, Nathan, Nathan before any predictions that Waterford should probably nearly stroll that league so that's not happening and maybe that's the reason why he's gone and keith is in so yeah it'd be interesting to see now neil i'm going to come to you so league of ireland is well you're a pats fan now let's just talk about her. there's two of us now, was now. <laughs> Boy, we're, dub-
1: we're doubling up in your eye as quick as we can that's yeah. it <laughs> i was new i was a pats fan i just had to realize and you know while i was awake that i was a pats fan so yeah i'll be, be down in there. Uh, in your car every Friday night watching them now that they're available with me, daughter's season ticket and myself in the stands singing away with Nathan the lads that's it
0: Unbelievable so why are you down there with your daughter?
1: Well my daughter's playing for the under 17s at the moment so I'm uh, obliged to escort her to the games on a Friday night so she gets the complimentary ticket I get to pay in and uh see some quality football in the freezing cold so far, so I'll actually look forward to a bit for <laughs> summer football down there because we're behind the goal, there's not a lot of shelter there, um, but we're being entertained by Nathan's good buddy on the drums and uh, the sing songs and the songs are in my head when I wake up on a Saturday morning these days So, but it's been good so far, Roy, I have to say was that we were at the Bowes, or sorry not the the uh, Shelburne game was the first game we went to see and uh, good atmosphere down there, I haven't been down there in quite a number of years, so it's uh ah, something to look forward to and something to do over the summer
0: and how is she getting out
2: could, could you not have a better reason than being obliged to go to the games <laughs> way well, you know it is?
1: they're only over the road nathan so you have to support yeah. your local teams you know so That's uh, it. i spent a couple of years going over the rovers and whatnot but uh no it's just grand down there right they're only getting the campaign going now they're off for a couple of weeks but uh big step up she's only 14 at the minute turning 15 so playing under 17 she's given up a year or two but uh really really quality set up there ran exactly like the boys are the boys section the 15s and 17s uh very well looked after sponsored uh, they play out with cherry orchard all their games and training so it's local but um brilliant club Rio. even when we went down on the first night and the uh women on the gate saw her pass, her season pass, they were asking her, oh, you remember the new girls' team. So they're the first girls' team um, four Pats, obviously, the under-17s. They're hoping to join the 19s next year as well. So um little pioneers that they can look back on in years to come and say you were part of a start-up, you know?
0: Good stuff, good stuff. Um, OK, Nathan, Virgin Media are set to show their first ever League of Ireland game. We had a little talk about this before. Neil asked a good question. <laughs> uh, are they going to be showing more? Doesn't look like it, does it?
2: No, that's right. Yeah, that, that's really just a sort of introduction, Neil, to what the life of a League of Ireland fan <laughs> is. So we're going to pull a news topic out of um, a, a national broadcaster showing one match, not a series of games, one game. <laughs> so, yeah, it's actually today, only a couple of hours before we jumped on, uh, to record uh, Virgin Media officially announced on a social media platform that they would be showing their first ever SSC at League Premier Division game. That one's uh, The Clash Between Bohemians and Shermock Rovers um, in Daily Mount Park, which is sold out. So if you don't have your ticket, there you go. Set yourself in front of the telly on Good Friday after you go to Mass, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> Friday the 7th of April to get that game in. So look, that's that. That's the news. That's the nugget of information that we do have. But, <laughs> that's um, that's you know, that, 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 <laughs> thanks for listening, folks. <laughs> uh, but now, uh, I su- suppose like, if you look at that, the one thing we could probably, if we want to pull some sort of a conversation with this, We have the LOI TV, we see uh, TG4 uh, linking up with uh, the the women's Premier Division. Uh, We've been very, not only us, but any League of Ireland family thought have been vocal about RTE. Could this be a one, you know, Virgin Media, if if they get some sort of contract together and can show a good amount of League of Ireland games, could this be the one to finally? kick RTE out of the League of Ireland. because like Do you remember we've seen that on a brief period of time, Roy, when Air Sports was a team? And right. they seemed to be really pushing, uh showing League of Ireland games. Probably wasn't every week, but it was, it was bi-weekly and it was nice to see and good studio coverage, good analysis. It's everything we've said for a long time is half-assed with the RTE. So, who knows? Could Virgin Media be the one to do that and... With Brian Kerr and the as you know he's just going to be knocking on office doors, ringing that <laughs> League
0: of Ireland bill. Well, the thing is, is that the League of Ireland's getting bigger. You heard Neil about the the girls' section, the women's section. The, you see the amount of players who, for the Republic of Ireland, you know who have come through League of Ireland football. League of Ireland is getting bigger and bigger, and I think if if someone like Virgin Media had a little bit of bottle about them, and and put something together a structure. Uh, as the league grows, that maybe they, they they hand out a certain amount of money, and, and as it gets bigger and bigger, then maybe contracts get bigger and bigger. But this is something that they this could something that could set them up, you know. something that they could work off. Something that. They could benefit from, and uh, the League of Ireland right now is, in, I think, is in a good place. Le- LOI TV, I-, I just, I just feel LOI TV is a great thing to have. Uh, you're missing that highlight show, you Thanks, know, so. all that sort of stuff. You could, yeah. There's stuff there that you can do. Friday night LOI or, or Virgin Media could have a, a highlight show or something on, you know, and and maybe show it again the next morning or day. So I really do hope that something like that comes around you know it is right
1: just to go across there sorry um just as so name was saying you're obliged to support league of Ireland it, it <laughs> is something that it is something we have to grow as a brand in the country we have to start supporting our own people and I know that attendances are up this year and every time I'm on the social media for be it shells be it pats be it bows they're all saying we're sold out we're sold out we're sold out so we are getting there I mean me personally the reason why and Roy we me and you would have gone in to see Shelbourne games years ago. I remember you said bring yeah. your brother in uh, the thing for me was you were bringing back a lot of English mercenaries or guys from the English lower leagues. You were bringing them in and paying them money. It wasn't what I felt was an Irish product, whereas nowadays you look at the under-15s, under-17s, and now they're beginning to break in over the last number of years into the senior team. So you can identify with Irish players playing for Irish teams, and that's the only way forward. And to brand them and to give them exposure, you hit the nail in the head there. I'd love to come home on a Friday night and see a match-of-the-day style. Uh, package put together so I could keep an eye on what's going on in the league I might be able to make every Friday night as in individually you might get down the road in your car, but you'd like to see what's going on and the only way you're going to get people in is to keep plugging this stuff and making it bigger than it is and giving it a bit as I say has on a Friday night give them a bit of a platform so that's where I hope this leads to in the next few years that we go into Lansdowne Road and you're watching you know 11 homegrown Irish League of Ireland lads be it not League of Ireland at the time they might have moved on but that's the type of people we want to start bringing through
0: okay Nathan Dublin City Council is that is that it? DCC okay we, we only
2: what? talk about them every week You we thought you would have oh, yeah, you know, oh, yeah. been up on the lingo by now
0: of the oh, lads yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um stadium plans for shells bows and pats uh, revisited there
2: Yeah so this is a couple of weeks ago we just never got around to it. Uh, So this information comes pair of minutes of a recent Dublin, not recent, the Dublin City Council meeting that that took place at the start of the month. Uh, So Councillor Pat Don asked the Chief Executive of uh, Dublin City Council about a number of issues, some of them being the progress on talks between the DCC and Shells on Talker Park. If you've talked about the Save Talker Park compa- uh, campaign and the sale the, the of Talker Park, uh, we asked about the course and cords by Dublin City Council on the ongoing Daily Mount redevelopments. And if any news or any plans are forward for Richmond Park and a redevelopment of Richmond Park, and how would uh, Dublin City Council uh, support that? So, in response of them three teams, um, Chief Executive responded with Shelbourne, saying that they're in correspondence at a meeting the scheduled to discuss next steps on the club, Talker Park, which would be great to see. In terms of boas, uh, the cost currently stands at, this the time at the meeting, it could have went up by now, but the cost currently stands at £1.6 a lot of cheddar, uh, so far. And from a Pat's point of view, saying there are two Pat's fans in the shows, this could be positive news uh, that DCC are looking at buying properties along Emmett Roads to facilitate a redevelopment. And it has been listed in the resale capital program uh, for 2023 2025. So, Richmond Park redevelopment could be on the horizon sooner rather than later. You know, we've seen this, didn't we, in 2018, Roy, when uh, St. Pat's planned to leave the home of Richmond Park to go to a new. Uh, 12,000-seater stadium across the road in the St. Michael's estate, but um, it was actually axed by the, uh, the council at the time. It just, it'd be great to see from from Pats point of view to to get properties bought up around. And to bring it up to, I think the big one from a lot of Pats fans is bring it up to a Category 4 level, because that makes such a difference for the European Games. It would allow Pats to stay at Richmond Park for the European Games, pack it out, get it full, instead of having to Moved uh, yeah. up, up to Tallis Stadium, so that would be the big one from my point of view. But, um, yeah, who knows? We could have the um, St. Pat's new uh, redeveloped uh, Richmond Park down the road. I suppose the thing to look at, you know, with the I, I thought the St. Pat's and the, the, the council relationship would have been dead in the water after the, uh, the 2018. Uh, Stadium didn't go to plans but could you see Pats going down a similar route to Shamrock Rovers and linking up with the council and would, would that be the financially smart way to go about it I think it's
0: the I think it's the only way they're going to get about it Nathan unless someone comes in with a whole load of money all League of Ireland clubs have to go down the council the government route, and look to do something that benefits the area because that's what it does, it benefits the area Inchicara needs something like that Tallinn needed something like that and uh, of course uh, if you look how long Shelbourne are out in that Drumcondra area, they, they they need these things to lure people in, keep people out of trouble, keep people focused. That's what football does. It's not just a game of football. If there's a focus for an area to, you know, keep, keep people on the straight and narrow, whether you're playing, you're coaching or you're just attending games. So, I do think that that's the way to go. Yes, you do, you you always you always, listen, I, we've seen stuff we've seen stuff with my own club Lucan United. You see stuff with uh different clubs like Finn Harps, Sligo, whoever else it is, Drogheda, let's put Drogheda in the mix there. They're looking for a stadium for ages and nothing's coming about. So these meetings are great, but until they start doing something and they start digging a hole, it's it, you're definitely sitting around Not believing
2: We said it before Didn't we That the FRI Causes damage To the League of Ireland But Dublin City Council Have certainly done
1: their part Over the past couple of years When it comes to The likes of Tolga Park And Daily Mount It's too long Without any funding And as you're even saying there Like 1.6 million 1.5 million It's not actually That much money When you spread the cost Over the number of years That you're going to get Of what you're going to get Back out of that Kind of investment so yeah. that's the way it has to be looked at. It's not a one-off payment where you're going to be paying it every year. It's a payment that is going to last the area and and benefit a large majority of people. So, you know, for a council should they blow that on anything these days?
0: Absolutely. The Fluzy and jacuzzi or something like that, you know, the spire or you know, all sorts of <laughs> there you go. Crap, and this is what they should be putting their money towards. So I actually asked, I met a a fella who was at the Ireland game and we came back from the stadium halfway through the day to go back into the stadium. And I was talking to Will Keane, sports psychologist. Uh, So we went and we had a couple of drinks and and we went back down towards the stadium. But we were walking by O'Connell Street, going down to Tara Street. And I says, what do you think of that, the spire there? And he goes, what is it? And I said, <laughs> I don't know. What do you think? He goes, yeah, sorry. Right. So, yeah, they can put money into shitty, arty stuff, all right, but the real stuff, that's where it needs to go and, and the communities, that money needs to be made available. So hopefully they kick on from that because there is clubs that are getting money around the, com- uh, the country. Dublin certainly needs it. We're, we're We've... We've loads of people there that need to focus on something. So, anyway, we're going to leave it there. Nathan, thanks very much. Neil, thanks very much. Uh, This wasn't your first time on the the League of Ireland podcast, Neil, was it?
1: It might have been.
0: It might have been, yeah. I think mm, it might yeah. have been. We've had a couple of international ones, but I don't think we've had yeah, a an League international, of Ireland yeah, never read yeah, no one, yeah. That's it. There you go. To see down the past well, couple of on- weeks in their hardened League of Ireland fans. <laughs> as you're
2: going to say, well, join us on next week's show, apparently, is Will Keane, sports ecologist. <laughs> yeah, well, we might out here, man. We might hear here, yeah. man.
0: <laughs> uh, listen, thanks very much for listening, as always. And uh, let us know your thoughts on Ireland, on how you think they... Can they qualify? Can, are they going to struggle? Um Is Evan Ferguson going to be as big as they they talk, talk him up to be? That's going to be the real question. We're going to find a lot of that out now in the next couple of months. Talk to you soon.